family is really important to me and I really value my blood family as well as the family of friends that I have around me. In this episode, I sit down with someone who isn't close to me geographically, but is really close to me in heart, and that's my cousin Lena. She puts me in the hot seat and asks me some questions, and we have a very honest and beautiful conversation about life. Welcome to another episode of Archiving. Enjoy. So, welcome Lena. Um, this episode is kind of unorthodox because I don't really know what's going to happen, um, but I'm not in the driver's seat. So I am joined by my lovely cousin. Uh, she's in Texas and I have no idea what she's going to ask me, but Lena, I'm going to hand it over to you. Great. So, I mean, for starters, I guess I should introduce myself as yeah. Lena, your cousin from uh, the United States. Um, yeah, I reside in Houston and a little background of me and Naivasha. Um, prior to most recent years, we reconnected, I would say what, in the past five years, maybe? 2013. Yeah. So maybe like seven, eight years. Yeah. Seven, eight years. Okay. Um, but yeah, prior to that, we hadn't seen each other since maybe four or five years old. So I think, I think now is a perfect time, a perfect example to prove that, you know, social media and other means of communication really do work because as far away as we are from each other, we're quite close. So that's definitely refreshing. I guess I want to start with asking you, what was the inspiration behind starting your podcast? The inspiration behind archiving was I'm really interested in people's stories and I think that sometimes we you know we sit down and we watch all of these kind of celebrities and people talking about their journeys or their career trajectories when we have all of these stories around us and I feel like we don't document them enough. We wait until we get to certain places in our lives to start sharing some of these stories or life lessons. We're learning things every day and not everybody has a journal, not everybody, you know, writes or daily vlogs to kind of document their journeys. But I just, I don't know, I just thought that I've got so many interesting people around me one of the things that I, I think I'm very thankful for is that I've got a really good network of people just through you know the various things that I've done and I've always been inquisitive and I love asking people about themselves and I just said hey you know what this would be really cool to like document all of these stories for other people to listen to and my biggest hope I guess is that people listen to them and feel like they've learned something even if it's just one thing I think, yeah, then, then I've achieved my, my goal. Beautiful. So I think that was kind of the perfect segue. You know, you're talking about experiences and sharing, you know, certain things and aspects about your life. But just for starters, can you tell me about three moments that changed your life? Oh, Okay. The first one's definitely the loss of my father. The loss of my father has shaped my entire being 
And that's not from a place of, oh, you know, I'm always mourning and I'm always grieving, but no, it's kind of like, it's shaped me in the sense that I, I care about life and I care about experiences and I care about, you know, making people feel valued and making people feel appreciated because I guess in the back of my mind, when you do lose somebody so young and you do encounter, you know, loss or death or, or grief, it makes you see the world in a completely different place because you're thinking, oh my goodness, this, this thing called life, it's not permanent. You know, one day I could be gone. And so I value, you know, creating memories and things like that. I think the second thing, probably going to India when I was 19 and living there for nearly four months, definitely shaped me into who I am now um, because it, it took me out of my comfort zone and made me, again, see the world in a completely different perspective. And it was something completely, you know, <laughs> completely different to anything I, I had ever seen or, or known, but it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about the world. It taught me a lot about myself. It made me reevaluate, I guess, my own life and my priorities and what's important. And at the at the time, I'm not gonna lie, I think I was I was going off the rails a little bit. <laughs> and I think, you know, as as God would have it, perfect time for things to happen. And it's definitely molded me. It's made me, it's made me the, I guess, the intentional person that I am. So that's that. And the third thing, can I say relationships as a whole? Maybe relationships as a whole, the relationships I've had with with men have probably shaped me. Um because they've taught me a lot about people, not, not particularly men in general, but it's taught me a lot about people, but most importantly about myself. And I would say that getting into relationships with people is like holding a mirror up to yourself because you, you see a different side of yourself by the way that you speak to people, by the way that you react in certain situations, maybe when you're not getting your way or when you have conflict, when you have to make difficult decisions, you, you meet yourself and it's not always pretty. So I think the the relationships and the people um, that I've been blessed to experience, I wouldn't necessarily say that it that it's a bad thing, even if they ended. I think I've been blessed with those experiences. They taught me a lot about myself and definitely molded me. So yeah, those three things. I love to hear it. Um, definitely interesting to kind of put you on the spot, I'd say, but I think it's important for those listening to kind of hear you know where you're coming from but kind of start to trail back what made you go to India you know what I okay so at the time I really wasn't enjoying uni I was just like oh, why am I here like why it I feel like I just went to university because it was what was kind of expected and I just got there and I just really wasn't having a good time Funnily enough, my youth pastor had given me this leaflet for this program when I was like 17, like before I went to university and I kind of looked at it and I kept it and he said, oh, you know, I think this would be re really good for you. So then I said, oh, okay. 
And I didn't, I didn't even look into it. I just kept the flyer. So then one day I was at uni and I was clearing out my room and I found the flyer and I was like, oh, I wonder if this, you know, this scheme is still running. So I went on the website and found out that they were running one last trip. It was the last trip because the government funding was running out and they said, you know, apply now. Um, you might not get a space because it's going to be really competitive because it's the last trip, yada, yada, yada. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. Because I thought it's not by chance that I found it now at this time. I don't know if I if I was depressed, but I just, I just really wasn't happy at that point in time. And I kind of think it was, part of it was growing pains. And I think part of it was, you know, that feeling when you know, you kind of feel like you're going through a metamorphosis in life. Like I could feel that I I wanted to, like I was coming out of myself or I needed to come out of myself, but there was something prohibiting me from being who, who I really wanted to be. Um, so yeah, I applied and I got in. And one of the, um, I guess the catch for the trip because it was all funded and everything, but the the catch was that you couldn't pick where you went. So they were like, okay, you know, pick three places out of the seven or eight or however many that there were that you want to go to. And I think I picked all of like the African countries. So I picked like Ghana, Kenya and South Africa. And then the lady interviewed me and she said, oh, why have you picked those countries? And I was just like, oh, you know, because, you know, it's Africa is what I know. And she was like, okay, you've never considered India. And I specifically put no to India uh, because it just seemed so, so far from anything that I'd ever known at the time. And then she was like, "Mm, okay, interesting. I knew that this woman was going to put me in India just from that. Anyway, so when I eventually got my letter and then we found out where we were going... They said, yeah, you're going to India. And I was like, okay. And yeah, it's the best thing, best thing that's ever happened to me. I love India, love, love, love India. And I'm so glad that I I went and I kept an open mind because it was a very beautiful experience. And it took you out of your comfort zone. It took me out of my comfort zone, which was a huge lesson to prepare me for the next stages of my life because it taught me that sometimes the things that we want, we want them out of comfort, but, but growth doesn't happen in that comfort zone. You know, sometimes you do have to do the things that are uncomfortable. Actually, most times you have to do the things that are uncomfortable. And that is where you find growth. That is where you find the, the next version of yourself or what it is that you're supposed to be doing. You have to stretch yourself in life. So I, I and I think, Part of the reason why I am the way I am now is because I'm not afraid to jump into uncharted kind of territory or waters. I'm just like, okay, you know, it's going to be scary, but you'll learn to swim. You'll learn to float. I wanted to ask you, what would you consider, what, what is something you want to accomplish before you die and why? Oh. I've always wanted to write a book. Definitely want to write a book before I die. Why? Because I've always written stories. I've always enjoyed writing. Writing comes very naturally to me. And I think the reason why I probably haven't done it yet is because I know that it takes a lot and I haven't been able to get myself into that place where, you know, I'm just going to shut off 
you know, shut off from the world for like five, six months and write something. I definitely want to write a book before I die. And what do you want the book to be about? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I love stories. I have no idea. I just, I feel like I have so many stories in my head. Just from the stories that people tell me, just from the things that I've seen. I probably have like 15 novels in my head, like all of these kind of things that that people have been through, people have experienced, or things that I've seen, or things that even my family have experienced that I could I could sit down and write. But a part of me also feels like I'm not there yet. And I don't want to rush that process. I think maybe I still have some living to do. I feel like today everybody kind of tries to rush things, rush processes. And sometimes what you're supposed to do is there. It's it's buried inside of you, but it's not time to birth it yet. There's still some work to be done. There's still some experiences to be had. There's still some skills to perfect or uh, skills to learn. Yeah, I just feel like I, I'm not there yet, but when I'm there, I'll know. And what do you think life is teaching you right now? Ooh, to do. I'm definitely in the do phase of my life. Life is teaching me to work with what I have in front of me. And I'm really at a place where I'm I'm tuning into the visions that God has given me. I'm tuning into the things that God has placed on my heart and I'm I'm actively doing them. And sometimes they don't make sense. And I'm like, why, why am I doing these things? No, nothing kind of correlates, but somehow they feel right. And so I'm going with them. And I think sometimes we try to rationalize things too much and we stop ourselves from doing things because we're like, oh, you know, well, that doesn't make sense. But sometimes it doesn't have to make sense, but you just need to do what you feel like you need to do or what you feel like you're being led to do. So, and it's teaching me to be fearless. It's teaching me, well, more so to be fearless in the pursuit of my dreams or in the pursuit of whatever it is that I'm trying to do. And it's also teaching me that we don't need much, you know, we don't need much. We just, we have everything that we need to do what it is that God requires us to do. Anything we don't have, God will provide. Deep, deep. (laughs) As we're talking, I kind of think back to those three moments that changed your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, with the loss of your father and, you know, you also mentioning just relationships that you've had. How do you think, you know, that relationship with your father has influenced, you know, those dating relationships with men? And based on your past relationships, how have you changed in who you choose for yourself? I feel like when I was younger, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't really intentional about the people that I, I kind of dated. It was more so to kind of fill a void. And I definitely looked for kind of like father-like qualities in people. And I didn't realize that until you know, maybe even my my mid-twenties, I didn't realise that that's what I was doing. And it wasn't until my mid-twenties that I became really kind of introspective and started thinking about why I do certain things or why I've done certain things or why, you know, this is my perspective on life. But 
my dating choices when I was younger were based on the void of, of, you know, not having a father. And I don't think I've always made the right decisions when it came, when it comes to men, but that, I don't, and I don't think that's linked to, you know, not having a father. I think that was more linked to not knowing who I was or, you know, what I wanted and what was important to me. So it was kind of like trial and error and trial and error. And as you're going through th- these relationships and you're going through the motions, you're also growing and you're thinking, ah, you know, this shoe, shoe kind of doesn't fit anymore. Like, so yeah, if we do use kind of like a, a shoe analogy, it's like when you're 22, you know, you look at a shoe and you think, yeah, this shoe is fly. Like, it's nice. I like this shoe. And then you look at the same shoe when you're 30 and you're like, what the hell was I doing? Because you change, you grow. And yeah, going through those, those, yeah, I think thinking back now, I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know myself enough to be messing around with, with guys. I didn't know myself. I should have just tuned into myself but I'm also very thankful for those experiences because I learned some hard lessons but they needed to be learned you know I can't remember the second bit of your question (laughs) you you answered um but essentially you know how you know that experience with losing your father influenced your romantic relationship yeah just to come back to now now I've I don't know if you've seen, you know, there's usually these kind of sayings that, you know, the the relationship that a girl has with her father kind of sets the expectation for the relationship she wants in a man, right? What we see at home is kind of, it sets the expectation for what we want. And it's true. Um, And I don't think that's a bad thing, but you also have to ask yourself if that's what you really want or need, or if that's just what you're used to because that's what you've seen. Um, and that's what society tells you that you need. Um, so now I've really questioned myself in terms of, not even questioned, I'd say interrogated myself in terms of what it is that I not want, but what it is that I need based on who I am and where it is that I'm going. And those are the things that are important to me now. Do you have any regrets? None. Why? Because what's the point, you know? I can't change the past. I can only focus on where I'm at now and where I'm going. No, I don't regret anything because I think that they were necessary to my, it was necessary to my growth. Thinking, I mean, yeah, you just saying that I'm thinking, is there anything that I regret? No, I don't think so. I think there were definitely some dumb things that happened that could have been avoided, but do I regret them? No. It's kind of like, you know, you play with fire, you get burnt, you remember like, ah, okay, next time I won't touch that fire. (laughs) Yeah, and I also feel like even just in my own experiences that you learn regret, you don't want to call, you don't want to be regretful about things, but I think as you get older, you appreciate your experiences of, you know, overcoming learning curves and just you know, a road to maturity. So, but I feel like if I ask you that same question, maybe five to 10 years ago, you say, yes, I regret the seven third because we don't really appreciate, mm. you know, the good, the bad and the ugly as, you know, teaching points in our life. Yeah, definitely. Is there anywhere that you'd like to travel that you haven't already traveled to? Yeah, loads of places. I really want to go to Sri Lanka 
um, because they have an elephant sanctuary there um, that I really want to go to. And I love elephants. Love, love, love elephants. So I really want to go to Sri Lanka. I want to do, I definitely want to do more of Asia. I'd love to go back to India, but to do um, maybe the South, like Kerala, and, you know, go to like the beaches and stuff like that. I'd also really like to go to Japan. I would like to go to South America. I'd like to go to Mexico. Um, Where else? Oh my God, I'd love to go to South Africa. Gosh, so many places, girl. So many. I feel like I haven't even like touched the surface. Well, thank goodness that you have the opportunity to do so. Hopefully once the pandemic. I hope so. I mean, because I've got to come to your wedding, so let's pray. (laughs) That's right. So tell me a little bit about your obsession with elephants. I don't know where it came from, but I feel like they are my spirit animal, honestly. I feel like they're my spirit animal. Um, I just feel connected to them. I think they're really intuitive. I like that they're empaths. They have emotions. They're family-oriented. They grieve, you know, when someone dies. They are wise. They are calm. It's like they're, they're majestic. Um, they never forget. I never forget. So, yeah, I just I just feel like they're amazing, amazing creatures. And actually, when we went to India, we um, we got the chance to to play around with some elephants. And um, just standing next to one, you kind of just feel so small. You're like, wow, like, and they're so calm. They have a really peaceful aura about them. And I guess it's kind of how I see myself. It's like when I see an elephant, I'm like, yeah, that could be me. Yeah. So they're also known as um, the gentle giant. I I think you are giant in personality. You are giant in, you know, just your intelligence. Thank you. But you're also gentle too. So I can see why that's your spirit. Um, And they, they do represent prosperity and luck as well. Oh, I didn't know that one. Yeah. I have an elephant at my front door because... <laughs> I am manifesting luck, prosperity, and wealth. Amen. Every single day of my life. So, you know, I'm just putting it out there. What's your spirit animal? You know, I think about this quite often, but I love the giraffe. I think they are so beautiful. They are elegant. There's an elegance about a giraffe. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is about them. They're a bit... Um, I don't want to say oblong, but I don't know. I feel like people are always quick to pick cutesy little animals as their spirit animal. But I feel like a giraffe is a giraffe, you know, Mm. they graze in a field and, but they're also, I think they're a bit meek, but they're long, beautiful necks. I think that's something I'd like to emulate. That's something I try to emulate. Just walk with confidence, you know? Mm. That's funny because um, they're the, Habiba's favorite animal as well. You should ask her why. I think it's because they're tall and they're yellow and she's tall and yellow is her favorite color. So I guess I emulate that because I'm not tall, nor am I yellow. But boy, are they beautiful. Yeah, they are. I I really want to go back to Kenya um, and do like a safari. Oh my gosh, do you know where you're going on honeymoon? Oh God, no. I'm just trying to get to the wedding. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I don't know. I... I thought about the Maldives, okay. but 
we've been talking and we said, no, let's go back. Let's go to somewhere in Africa that we haven't been. So I don't know. It's still kind of, um, we're just throwing out some ideas and brainstorming. You should go to Mauritius or Zanzibar. Yeah. So Zanzibar is on the list as well. I just, you know what I like when I go on vacation, I just want a beautiful body of water. I like a nice quenching cocktail in my hand and good food. That's all I ask. Yeah, I think you'd like Mauritius. Mauritius is is lovely. But yeah, I've also heard that Zanzibar is amazing. I don't know yet. I don't know. And kind of just as far as honeymoons go, do you think in your head, as I'm entering this chapter in my life, and for those that are listening, I was recently engaged and planning a wedding. Um, But I think I'm finally to the point where I'm wondering, you know, as much as we say, you know, marriage isn't the pinnacle of our existence, what have you. And for me, it wasn't something. So if it happens, if it's for me, it'll happen. Cool, cool, cool. Um, But you have that mental wedding box where you have this dream wedding planned in your head um, and this dream wedding and man that's coming to you. Is that something that's still real for you? Or is that something that you're waiting to experience once it happens? It's something that I'm waiting to experience once it happens and if it happens. If I'm in that space, if I'm in a relationship with someone, then of course you start thinking about those things. You start thinking about, okay, settling down, like a wedding, da, da, da. But if I'm not in that space, I don't let it occupy my mind because I'm just like, just enjoy the things that are happening to you right now. And then when that happens, deal with it when it happens. But no, it's not something that consumes my mind. Um, you know, there will be a time, there will be a time for me to to think about those things. But right now there are so many other things that I still want to do and I'm enjoying life. And I think sometimes if you do put yourself kind of in that space where you're thinking or planning for something that isn't an immediate reality, that's how you can start depressing yourself or feeling sorry for yourself because you're kind of, you're planning for something that isn't directly in front of you, which, you know, some may say in faith, you should still do that. But yeah, I don't know. No, I'm not. I've never really been that kind of person to be fair. I think I'm kind of similar to you. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, okay, we keep it moving. Yeah. I think you said something. I feel like just going back even, it, we plan for so much in life. You know, before I even went to um, college, I had this plan in my head, you know, I'm going to graduate early and I'm going to do this. And the second that didn't happen and nothing went as planned, that's when I lost my mind, right? I didn't know how to cope with, you know, not being a perfectionist or not, you know, just letting things be, Um I could definitely say as I've matured, I've learned to kind of slow down and enjoy, enjoy the view, you know, sit back and enjoy what you're actually doing. Um, so I can definitely appreciate that, you know, you're focused on what's in front of you and you're not occupying a necessary space in your mind with things, but, you know, shout out to everyone that does have those marriage boxes, you know, no shade to you, but mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, it's important to kind of smell the roses when they're in front of you. Yeah, I like that. So, my gosh, I do have a question. So, just thinking back, like, to your friends' groups, 
you know, maybe relatives, distant relatives as well. What do you think is something that is misunderstood about you that maybe, you know, even myself that I'm, I might be misunderstood about regarding you? What do I feel that people misunderstand about me? Yes. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like people think that I'm really rigid or cold. You know, I'm not warm. I'm not a hugger, things like that. But I'm very tactile. <laughs> very, very tactile. I really like hugs. I really like, you know, touching people. Sometimes I touch people unnecessarily. Um, but people may sometimes think that, you know, I'm a bit standoff, not standoffish. No, I don't think maybe standoffish is the word, but they think that I'm not like cute and cuddly, but I am cute and cuddly. So I'm just putting that out there for everyone. <laughs> take notes, people, take notes. I don't know. I've never really thought about it, you know. One of my friends told me that when she met me, she just thought that I was too, um, oh, this kind of contradicts what I've just said, but she thought that I was kind of too too giddy and optimistic and enthusiastic. And she then took that to, to mean that, you know, life hasn't happened to me yet. You know, this girl, nothing's happened, nothing serious has happened in this girl's life. Like, she's just too happy. Um, and I think that people often think that but I just think that's just my, my outlook on life because things have happened I'm just like I'm not gonna let that stop me you know life is too short I'm still here to tell the tale let's keep it moving which is why I am so enthusiastic and kind of forward thinking you're so deep I've had a lot of time to think what do you think I'm doing when I go on all these holidays and I'm sitting on the beach Lena <laughs> <laughs> lots of reflection and you know yeah lots of reflection lots of journaling I do, I do, I mean, I do journal. Um, I've got a planner. Um, I constantly kind of interrogate myself and think, oh, okay, you know, you could have done this better or, and no, you know, not from a, not from a, uh, you know, I'm being too harsh on myself perspective, but it's like, right, let's go back to the drawing board. You didn't do this um, in a way that maybe you should have, or you, didn't handle that situation in the best way but what can you do next time to make sure that that doesn't happen did I tell you I'm in therapy now are you so is it a virtual therapy are you actually going to see your therapist no it's virtual what made you um, begin therapy I just wanted an external opinion I wanted a sounding board from someone that wasn't my friend wasn't my uh, a family member didn't know my my history or what I'm like, just an outside perspective. And what's funny is, you know, I've said to some people that I'm I'm doing therapy or I'm considering therapy, and they're like, oh, I didn't, I wouldn't really think that someone like you would need it. But so what does that mean? I think everybody needs therapy. I think even if you can kind of you are already introspective and you kind of already deal with these things in your head. But I think it's always good to talk to somebody who's impartial and who can maybe help you to think of other ways of processing things. I really reject this kind of idea, you know, if it ain't broke, why fix it? kind of thing there's always a better way to do something there's always a different perspective there's always another way of seeing things 
I think I think it's good. It's like it's like going to have a checkup or going for a blood test, right? You could be perfectly healthy, but you don't know what's really going on unless you kind of have a look under the bonnet. So it's like, why not? Let's see. You know, even if even if you don't uncover anything, even if you don't find it useful, I think it's always good just to talk to someone. I agree. I think it's important to get that outside perspective. Not to mention it doesn't have to, something doesn't have to be broke, you know? Sometimes your wheels just need to be greased. That's it. Yeah. Have you done therapy? You know, I have in the past, and I will tell you the first time I did a very resistant. Um, I at times can be very avoidant. Um, so for me, I would go to therapy, but I was almost fighting my therapist. You know, I, I had my guard up. I, you know, was very reluctant to open up. But fast forward to now, in most recent times, I haven't gone to therapy, but I am seeking a therapist because I'm in a different city now. But um, I definitely think it's important, you know, I, I think for me, I am constantly in therapy with myself. So I do think it's important to kind of have an outlet. Um, you know, I do journal from time to time, but again, that's for me. So um, I'm definitely at the point where I need to seek therapy again, just to, you know, check on myself and really just to talk, talk it out. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I think maybe this is the perfect time for that for you because you are going through a huge transition in life. You're so independent. You've been living by yourself for a long time and you're making this transition into marriage and wifehood and, you know, partnership and motherhood by God's grace. And, you know, that's a lot to deal with sometimes. And sometimes you might want to talk to somebody who, yeah, who doesn't know you just to kind of, even if it's just a vent, you know, because it's, it's a lot. And I feel like sometimes people... People don't talk about how difficult it is to make that transition from, you know, quote unquote, single to being a married woman or a married man. Yeah. And it's all kind of happening at a very fast pace. So, yeah, I'm very independent. And sometimes I have to check myself and, you know, allow allow for him to kind of take the lead on certain things or me to be more open. You know, I think being independent and on your own, I'm very quick to make my own decisions and not have to think about somebody else. So yeah, now's the perfect time for that. How does it feel to be kind of getting married at the same time as your brother? So listeners, Lena is a twin. She has a twin brother um, and they're getting married relatively close. Um, Yeah. How does it feel? That's such a good question. You know, I couldn't even tell you that this would be my journey, but I think it's definitely a reminder that no matter how old we get, no matter how far apart we are, we still do things together um, subconsciously. Um, Ironically enough, Pierre, my twin brother, is marrying a twin as well. So that was interesting. And, you know, outsiders will tell you looking in, it's interesting, the partners we've chosen for ourselves, because I definitely think the relationships you have with your siblings and your parents and those closest to you definitely influence the people you choose to spend the rest of your life with. But, you know, as close as Pierre and I were, I can definitely see some similarities 
in my partner to my brother. And, and my brother is the closest person to me in my life. So it's really interesting how you choose people. And I don't think I realize that. And I don't think he realizes that the partner he chose for himself is very, you know, strong willed. She's, you know, she is a businesswoman. She's very independent. So it's very interesting. You kind of just go towards what you're familiar with. So mm-hmm. weird, but I, I, I'm happy for him. I think it's, I think it's definitely weird that we're still doing things together even though we're apart so it's pretty cool yeah it definitely is and I'll never forget when I when I came to the states and you remember that time that he he got injured and you said that you felt it and I was like wow this twin thing is really real yeah it's weird even till this day when something's off and it's not even like with my twin is one thing but any of my brothers I know something's up I'll, I'll give them a call and something's wrong but even with Pierre, I don't know what it is. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. But you'll never outgrow that twin twin tuition, they say. So, yeah, it's pretty dope. Even how we're related, because, okay, so our, Lena's dad and my dad were cousins. And, but they grew up like brothers, right? Right. So... I don't even know. I don't even, I feel like your dad told me this story, but I forgot. I don't know why they grew up like brothers, but they did. Um, and yeah, I guess that's how, that's how we are connected. Even from all these many, many miles away. I know it's so interesting, but you know, I feel like, you know, I hope you have some guest appearances because I really want to dive deep into like history, our history. Um, that would be pretty cool but I think the story of us is pretty interesting. Our history as Congolese people, our history, um, our familiar history, like our family history is one thing, but also even just, you know, you growing up in London, what, what shaped, what paved the way for you? You know what I mean? Where would we be, you know, if circumstances were different? Um, so yeah. Do you have any desires to go back home? I was supposed to last year, but pandemic. So we're actually planning to go this year, hopefully. Yeah, it might be on the on the list for me as well. But do you think you're going to go to the village? I don't think on the first visit, but I definitely want to go to the village. Okay, so it's not completely off your list. No, no, no. I definitely want to go. I want to see, you know. But I've, I mean, just talking to my mom, I've just heard it's an absolute madness to get there. She, there was some talk about, um there's like a four-hour truck ride and I was like what yeah I know a group that's going this summer and you know just talking about it in general there were some questions that came up like as far as electricity and access to wi-fi and it's like eh, we're going to the village okay where there's unpaved roads lights out at a certain time and it's a wrap you know so I think it'll definitely be an experience but I think it's important to know mm. where you come from what village are you from, you know? I am from Kabea Kamwanga. I can tell you my dad grew up in Wenedichu. Mm-hmm. My mom's from Kananga. So, two different worlds, but yeah. I haven't gone myself, but I'd like to. Uh, to the village? Uh-huh. Mm. Are you going to have any traditional aspects to your wedding? So, I did have a traditional ceremony last month um and that was like 
is very tiny. It was quickly planned just due to COVID. But um, my white wedding, I'm not really sure. It's just all about timing. And, you know, this isn't really planned by me, so to speak. So I don't know. I'll probably have small elements here and there. But because this is probably just all-inclusive, just one-and-done type thing. Some of the traditional things would be either before or after the white wedding. Question. Do you consider yourself married now? Because I was having a conversation with my mom and she was like, all of this white wedding business, I don't understand. Like once you come, once, you know, your partner's family comes to the house and, you know, they pay the dots, we do the traditional wedding, all of that kind of stuff. She was like, you're married. (laughs) Go to your husband's house. That's it. You know? So do you consider yourself as married now or would you consider yourself as married after your white wedding? You know, it's funny because per American standards, I'm not. And it's literally a piece of paper that defines that. But yeah, I mean, there's no turning back. It's not, it's not just me having the pleasure of walking away. I made a choice, you know. Um, and culturally speaking, we don't, even in, in our language, we don't have the terminology terminology of fiance or boyfriend girlfriend no this is the person you chose you presented him I cannot now run back to my mother and father (laughs) and say you know I'm done no we went through all this so you've this is a path you've chosen so yeah I mean I guess it depends who I'm talking to you know I think even by American standards, people don't understand it. Where I'm like, I'm traditionally married. They're like, what? There's no papers, so you're not married. So I don't even go down that rabbit hole. Between him and I, yes, that is my man. That's my husband. That is, you know, that we're married. Um, the only the only challenge we're facing is we do live in two different cities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we still have to go through the challenge of actually living together and handling the the challenges that are going to come with that. So that's, that's, that's it. But otherwise, you know, I only have my eyes for my husband. So that's it. I have a ring on my finger. Off the market. All the way off the market. Well, can you, can you find me a man in America? Well, I guess you should just come to my wedding. And so that brings me to a question. Do you have a preference on, like, who you'd like to spend the rest of your life with? Do they have to be Congolese? You know, are you open? Do they have to be African? What does that look like for you? I don't know. I feel like I'm open. I feel like I'm open. Um, I've never specifically said, you know, that I just want to date African people. That's just what's happened. So I'm open-minded. I'm open-minded. If they live in the States, I don't know if I want to live in the States because America's crazy. Um, I don't know if I'd want to live in America. I'm so sorry. But yeah, no, I'm open. I'm, I'm just like, you know what? I'm in, I'm in a place where I'm at su- such peace. I'm like, let's see what life is going to do. You know, let's see where the wind will take us and what the wind will bring us. Okay, okay. I respect it. I mean, I'm definitely not into the love connection thing um, because I'm all about just letting things happen. I just happen to fall in love with a Congolese man who's also Maluba. So, and I've happened to know him all of my life, but we actually didn't talk for years, but 
I was definitely, I'm an open-minded person. I never had this list of this has to be the person, you know? Uh, yes, I'll be Congolese. He has to do this and that. Nope. It just so happened that he is Congolese. But it's just these pluses that came along with it. How did you know he was the one? Gosh. So we were actually having a conversation. So just to kind of give the background, I went to a wedding last year. Um, right at like the top of COVID actually. This is a wedding I wasn't even, I wasn't invited to actually. So I went as a plus one and, and I didn't want to go, but you know, my friend, you know, she's just said, come, come, come. It'll be fun. It'll be a great time. And at the time I wasn't dating. I wasn't looking. I was just minding my business, you know? So I went to this wedding, had a great time. He was there and I've known him all my life. I just hadn't seen him for years for years and um, we had gone out we're at a restaurant we're sitting at the bar and you know I'm just catching up with him you know what are you doing in life and you know he's telling me about his job he just relocated to Texas yada 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 cool and I asked him what are you looking for like what's what's up with you and he said and honestly guys it's very simple but he was like I just want a life partner to grow old with my best friend to do everything and anything we get married we have some kids we have a house we travel and we're just balling right and for me that was like music to my ears it was like I saw God was like Lena this is your person this is the man you've been looking for all your life and it was something so simple we were literally just having small talk and I said oh my gosh I think this is my person he didn't have to do much you know at all he was just himself and he is everything that I am not. And in that moment, I knew he was my person. He is everything that I want to be, but I will not be because that's not me. So he definitely compliments me. That's amazing. And it's amazing. And it's so simple. Very. We're very opposites. But oddly enough, he has qualities that I want for myself that have definitely brought out. They've been brought out, you know, of me through experiences, but... There's a lot about him that I'm like, dang, I wish I was like that, but I admire him for that. You know, I won't be like that. That's not who I am. I love myself. Don't get me wrong, but he definitely has certain qualities and traits that I desire for myself. So I appreciate them through him. I love that. I love that for you. And I'm very happy for you. And I can't wait for your wedding. I will be working out like a mad dog so that I look fly at your wedding because I'm in the wedding thank you for that motivation yes yes you are you are in my wedding you'll have to wear a bridesmaid's dress yes my gosh my maid of honor am I really the maid of honor yes oh my god (laughs) I thought you were joking (laughs) (laughs) yay I have the pleasure of like giving you a nice little like bride the maid of honor box because you're so far away but Thanks. Oh God, I really have to do work now. Okay. Right. After I release this podcast, I'm going to get on my actually to be honest, I've already been doing my my research for your um for your bridal holiday. So we can talk about that later. But I'm so honored. Of course I will be your maid of honor. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad we confirmed that over your podcast and you actually didn't believe me when I asked you. I really (laughs) didn't. Do you know what? Maybe I was waiting for like a proper proposal, but okay, fine. I won't. I, no, I just feel like you've, you have seen me in a period of my life where I feel like 
finding myself and, you know, kissing frogs before finding my prince. Never judge me. You never will judge me. But you've always given it to me real. So I appreciate that. And I wouldn't want anyone else by my side on the biggest day of my life. So, yeah. Oh, thank thank you. you. And you've done the same for me, you know. I th- you know, it's so crazy how someone can be so far away but also be very connected, as in more connect- sometimes even more connected than the people who are around you. I agree a hundred percent and you know I think that's also important to acknowledge right you know it's important to really communicate and utilize your resources to communicate we live in a very fast-paced world whether that's our occupations or just life in general but for me I value a lot of my friendships my my closest friends they're they're not near me um family same thing the people that I'm really dearest to I'm probably the closest the farthest away from um I don't know. I think it's just something about, I don't know, that distance. I don't know what it is, but someone who knows your soul knows your soul, whether they're in front of you or miles and miles away from you. 